Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. And if you stick around until the end, a little bit of succession chat. My name is John Ball. I'm here with Ali Herbert-Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we are talking about a lot again this week, but the two big new shows this week are both based on true stories. They are, they are. And one of the funniest pop-ups at the beginning of one of them where it says, this is based on true events. Characters have not been changed because most of them were actually guilty. So then there's like, which I thought was quite funny. But the two shows are Love and Death, which is a new true crime series coming to us from HBO Max. And then White House Plumbers, which is the story of well, a version of the story of Watergate, which has started this week from HBO. And then, as you mentioned, Succession Season 4, Episode 6. We'll do a recap and a deep dive. And boy, was it a good one. Awesome. Well, let's head to Texas in the late 1970s for Love and Death. Something's been bothering me a little. I have done all the things wife is supposed to do the house the meals where is the payback i'm very attracted to you oh would you be interested in having an affair Starring Elizabeth Olsen as Candy Montgomery, Love and Death is based on the true story of a brutal murder in Texas in the late 1970s. Written and created by David E. Kelly and executive produced by Nicole Kidman, this impeccably made series digs beneath the well-manicured exterior of suburban life. Ali, this is, like, very well made. I didn't know how to say it properly in in the opening, but this is just, like, one of the most beautiful and polished series I've seen in a long time, don't you think? It's just the time period and the setting and the tone and everything. And the, yeah, and the actors that are in this one, it's premium world-class television and a, yeah. a very compelling story. As you said, it's true crime. It actually happened, so it's tragically based on a real story, but it's TV done good. <laughs> Yeah. So besides Elizabeth Olsen and David Kelly and Nicole Kidman, like I mentioned, there's some other great talent on screen, including Jesse Plemons, Lily Rabe, Kristen Ritter. Yeah, just an amazing all-round talent. And yeah, for people who aren't familiar, it is this sort of close-knit suburban Texas church community where an affair happens, which results in a murder. And yeah, that's kind of a very basic setup this one so if you loved the staircase or the undoing or big little lies this is absolutely going to be your next sort of obsession i agree so and i think what's interesting about this one is the reasons why this crime has happened so as it says on the can love and death there's a love and a death that happens but it's such a tight-knit community and the alleged perpetrator of the murder which the way it's played out so far there's three episodes available for you now out of uh, six i think in the season john Seven Seven. to the first three hours are there for you to watch, but it's the just how popular and kind and connected main woman was in her community who goes on to perpetrate the crime. So it's just a really interesting positioning, isn't it? Because you've got what are very personal motivations, why these people are having an affair and how they're kind of trying to compartmentalise 
those motivations against their community mindedness. And as a housewife, Candy Montgomery's kind of bored. And I think she's unfulfilled. She says, you know, she's done everything a wife's supposed to do. And she's kind of the perfect housewife, but she's lacking the sexual attraction or this component of her marriage. And she finds it effectively with her best friend's husband. So it's uh, amongst what's, I think we haven't even gotten to the crime part of it yet, but just the gripping nature of how someone can be two things at once. The first episode, at least, there's a sort of a flash forward to a crime, but this isn't, this is less of the traditional like murder detective investigation. This is a bit more leading up to what happens and then, and then the aftermath. So it's, I, I wouldn't even call it a whodunit, mm. although there is a, a mystery around it. Um, but yeah, I found the first episode so compelling because you are seeing these like beautifully put together lives and you can almost see Elizabeth Olsen's character Candy, part of her mind just start to like shift a little bit when she's jokingly contemplating an affair and then she kind of like throws it out there and then it kind of just slowly happens and you can see her not heading in a good direction, but it's so compelling to watch these like really polished characters come a bit undone. Yeah, this story's been told a couple of times. It was told in a miniseries called Candy by Hulu, available on Disney Plus in Australia a couple of years ago, starring Jessica Biel. It's been done, I think, as a Hallmark movie a few years ago as well. You know, lots of true crime documentaries about this, so it's quite a well-known case. Well, let's not say any more about it. All you need to know is Elizabeth Olsen, David E. Kelly, amazing. Yes, and he's known for his court drama, so I'm assuming at some point we will get into a court because... Love and death, someone dies. And then I'm just kind of really interested and I haven't seen far enough yet to know how the trial and all of that part is dealt with. So, yeah, without saying much more, watch Love and Death. Give it a go. Okay. So as Ellie said, the first three episodes of Love and Death are streaming right now. We've got new episodes dropping every Thursday and the finale is May 25th. You two just looked at each other like you got a secret. I just don't want anybody to get hurt. The new HBO miniseries White House Plumbers takes a satirical bent at the behind-the-scenes story of Nixon's political saboteurs, played by Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux as they accidentally topple the presidency they were trying to protect. Howard! That's the White House. Howard Hunt. Howard, the president asked for a real son of a bitch to handle this Pentagon leak. What do you need? I want you to meet Gordon Liddy, toughest guy I know. He'll hold his hand in the flame of a candle. I do not bend and I do not break. What's the trick? There's one. Gets third degree burns every time. Please stop. Ali, I like surprisingly don't know much or didn't know much about Watergate. It's one of those things I think everyone hears about, but maybe not growing up in America, it's not something I was like deeply understood the story of. But this one, again, has been told a few times. This isn't the first time the Watergate scandal's been on screen. But I think what is very different about this one is kind of the tone and treatment that it's given. I think a lot of that comes from Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux, as we'll get to in a second, but also some of the behind the scenes talent involved, particularly the director, David Mendel, who was the executive producer of Veep and also wrote and produced a bunch of episodes of Seinfeld. So very serious political story told with sort of this satirical comic angle. Yeah, well put. I think the point at the beginning about do you need to know about Watergate because I do wonder about younger audiences on this one because it is the way it's told is part of what's unique about the show. It's funny. It's not quite slapstick, but it's almost slapstick in points, isn't it? So there is a little bit in that first episode of them putting kind of like a quick history lesson of who these people are and where they are, you know, a bit of 
CIA, FBI, you need to kind of understand what was motivating Richard Nixon at this point in his White House journey, I feel like, because if you don't know some of that, some of this first episode requires you to catch up quite quickly. Did you find that not knowing a lot about Watergate? That was a bit to follow. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, to be fair, I did have Wikipedia open while I was watching this. These names will probably mean a lot more to other people than me, but Woody Harrelson plays E. Howard Hunt and Justin Theroux plays G. Gordon Liddy, and they're both names that I'd, like, heard of, but I didn't know their exact placement in the in the Watergate scandal. But yeah, they're basically a part of this, what they end up calling the plumbers, who are the men who are meant to stop the leaks coming out of the White House. I think they end up falling over themselves a number of times and basically causing the Watergate scandal to happen. Yeah, I like I almost, when you were trying to describe it, I almost said slapstick, just as you were <laughs> about to say slapstick. And it's not quite slapstick. But the other reference I want to make, which is completely incorrect, is Austin Powers. <laughs> um, maybe that's just the time period. But there's this like 70s heist film mm. vibe about mm. it like the way it's shot and the like purposefully bad wigs and American Hustle was a reference point for me when I was watching it I was like it kind of had that heist and 70s vibe you're right you're right about that but as you were saying you've got these presidential papers I think they're called which is effectively government information that's getting leaked to the media so you've got a rat inside the White House effectively and Richard Nixon wants them to come down on that really heavily and find out the source of that leak and it's kind of the comedy of errors that flows from that there's a kind of organizational weak point initially because they put two people into this joint role who are kind of trying to compete with each other and are really different so it's probably not being helmed really consistently so that's kind of your first point of weakness and then you've got the personality types and some of their egos. And if what we're seeing in this show is is indicative of what they really like, you can kind of understand why this turned into one of the biggest scandals in the history of America. It's quite remarkable to see who these people were. Yeah. And it's interesting because obviously it feels like they're just, the show is sort of two centimetres off camera of like the presidency. It's literally behind the scenes. You kind of feel like these guys are just on the edge of like so far, at least, there hasn't been any Oval Officers or President Nixons. It's like they're talking to the people who report to people that report to people that report to the president sort of thing. So it's interesting that they're like being tasked with this thing, but sort of from arm's length and are almost given being given enough rope to like hang themselves with a little mm. bit. But besides Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux, Lena Headey plays Woody Harrelson's character's wife and Kindon Shipka from Mad Men is also in it. We've got another Mad Men. Oh, yeah, Rich yeah, Sommer, of course. Of course yes. cool. Who I feel like he can only play period pieces. Like he's just perfectly suited. For the, for the like 60s and 70s. Yeah. He, he'd be weird as in 2023. That's so true. But he's, he's excellent in anything in the period, in any period pieces. But yeah, as we said, White House Plumbers premieres Tuesday, May 2nd on Binge. This is a five part miniseries with new episodes weekly and the finale will be out on May 30th. We now work for the committee to re-elect the president. <laughs> Your new mission is to make sure he wins this election. We'll intercept confidential information of the radical left. What's the plan? We're going to hit the DNC at the Watergate. Howard, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. John, let's do dinner party recommendations before we talk Succession. For those that maybe haven't watched Succession episode six yet, we don't want to give away any spoilers. So mix up the order again this week. Yeah, let's do okay. it. What have you been watching slash talking about at dinner parties? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I've been talking about at dinner parties or over text at the moment really is um, the Australian binge original column from Accounts, which we've talked about 
on this pod lots of times um, that came out last December. It's gone on to be one of the most yeah, watched originals in the history of Binge and, and the Fox Store group has gone to England. So I've just had all these mates in the UK texting going, hey, this show's just arrived and it's been getting some great reviews and some good viewing. So just a reminder for anyone who hasn't seen Colin from Accounts, give it a go, give you a laugh. Now streaming on BBC iPlayer. BBC iPlayer and and <laughs> yeah. yep. But the other Aussie thing we've had this week, which is a little bit different, is a documentary that we collaborated with the Daily Telegraph with and the journalists in their crime reporting division and have made a really compelling documentary about kind of the, the wars, they're calling them the bikey wars, but the wars that have been going on in Sydney often between the different bikey gangs but also to do with the drug trade in Australia. So it's quite an interesting story that kind of puts a lot of the pieces together because there's often something you hear about on the news and there has been a bit like there was with Underbelly and the underworld killings in Melbourne in the 90s. I think kind of like 20-odd people have been murdered in the last couple of years on the streets of Sydney. So with a really journalistic and kind of news approach to this, it really documents and puts together what's been happening um, in Sydney. And for the first time, I could kind of really see it as an overarching connected thing. So there'll be lots of crimes mentioned in this, no doubt, that you've seen and heard the headlines of, and it almost gives you a bit of an understanding of what's actually going on. So that's called The War, The Australian Bikey Killings, and that's a a one-off documentary that we've got streaming at Drop This Week. What about you, John? What are you recommending? Well, I'm going to take us down into the gutter, sorry. And I'm also, for the first time, maybe not even recommending this show as much as just acknowledging its existence because it's definitely going to get discussed at real-life dinner parties, so I thought we should talk about it. I am, of course, talking about MILF Manor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So MILF Manor is a new US reality show that we've just got on Binge. It basically is what it says on the tin. It is a group of women who are aged between 44 and 60 who are sent to this lovely villa in Mexico and they are surprised to discover that the male suitors who are going after them are in fact their sons. What? Yes, their sons who are aged between 20 and 30 are revealed to be the the men who are there to sort of become romantically okay, involved can we with just, the older let's just women. So these women, are by, by being aged between 40 and 60, are kind of old enough to be mums that now have grown up children and they're milfs so they're kind of sexy older ladies and they think they're going off to a manor where they're dating younger they think guys. they're going on a reality show to meet younger so men they are they, dating they want to date younger guys yes they want to date younger guys and these younger guys want to meet older women okay and neither of them uh, know the, that they're they, no, no okay and that the twist in sort of the opening episode, opening of the episode is that the nine suitors for these women are in fact each other's sons so it is so they are dating you know, they obviously don't the sons don't date their moms because that would just be like no, no but you you're, no we've not reached that point <laughs> in reality television. but they might be all at mixes or party events together and the mum will be Quite watching her awkwardly. son maybe kissing another lady and that's some will be watching yes. his mum kissing another guy wow yeah. And is the Yeah. So some people might call this, you know, the end of civilization. <laughs> I think it's just another reality it's show. Entertainment. <laughs> oh. Is the idea that is it kind of asking the men and the women to go why you attracted to these age brackets because it's unnatural or is it really just Uh it's like I have watched this kind of looking for like a maybe a sort of a another meaning or like a point it's trying to make and I think they're really just trying to make a dating show with a weird twist. Okay. <laughs> So if you'd like this has been hugely Love popular Islands around of the, the world. world as well, just to call that. Yeah. It? So outside the initial shock of the first episode's reveal, it is just another 
dating show, kind of with the shtick being that there's a bit of an age difference on top of the shtick that mothers and sons are in the same competition. I feel like you need to give it a go just because it's going to be talked about. So if you want to know what everyone's talking yeah. about, maybe watch it and see for yourself because I'm, yeah, I feel like I need to now see it. It's uh, dinner party worthy, if, if nothing else. Never fail to surprise me, John. The other one that seems to be super popular on Binge this week is Sanditon. For those that love period dramas, while you wait for Queen Charlotte to come and Bridget on, on Netflix, um, super popular series, three three seasons from the BBC. Um, it had its finale ever final episode ever this yeah, week series finale so you've got three yep. seasons to catch up on and enjoy my boy squiggle cooked up this beat for me Kurt just called me soy boy you lack killer instinct you're wet you're green you're intellectually insecure i'm proud of my family your principles ah! okay ali season four episode six living Plus, this episode, we see Kendall launch a new product that his uh, father had been working on called Living Plus. I just assumed it was a streaming service. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's weird, much weirder than that. We also see Roman fire multiple people, and we see sort of the Tom Shiv things happen. I can't wait any longer. I'm, <laughs> I reckon... Other than Connor's wedding, this is my favourite episode of the season. I loved it. I applauded it at the end of the credits. It was yep. nearly up there with Connor's wedding for me in terms of one of being one of the most insightful episodes of Succession. And the reason it was for me, for me was what it showed about the character strengths and who these characters really were and they'd been kind of suffocated under their dad and all of a sudden without Logan, you're seeing them in full flight of their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So it was so interesting because I just felt like things that had been bottled up or you weren't sure or you were kind of waiting to understand their emotions or their motivations, you just got a rush of it this in episode. You know, you're kind of waiting to go, are they going to stay together? Are they going to stuff it up? Are they really, you know, are they really mourning? What are they feeling? And you, it's all been so unsaid and I felt like there was some action in this episode in terms of working out what was really going on here and they all kind of just started leaning into the best and worst of themselves. Like it just started to come through and like an example of that for me was with Roman and the firings I was like okay so there's spoilers when he yeah. fires Jerry and he's brutal to her in the words because she's pushing back on him and he doesn't feel like he's getting respect but in episode three on the boat when he left that infamous final voicemail for his dad and he calls him the sea next Tuesday and he thinks that what he's doing to Jerry is unkind and uncool and unfair he was harsher and more cutting than I think Logan would have been with the way he treated Jerry in that scene. And I thought you are more of what you hated in your dad in that in that moment than I thought you could be. And then yeah. I felt his motivations with firing Joy were she mis completely misread that situation and I could understand why he was kind of reacted like that, even though it was rash. But I just was like, this guy's quite ruthless. Sometimes it's true and honest and he can really see clearly what's going on and he's actually acting on it. But he was harsh in a way we haven't seen Roman. Normally he jokes harshly, yeah. but he acted harshly. Don't you reckon? Yeah. A few episodes ago, Roman would have told Jerry she's fired and then be like, oh, I'm kidding, you, you idiot, and then walked away. Uh, this time he was like, you're fired, bye. But then he got later on almost gives the chain he says to um Kendall oh you might have to roll that back I kind of fired Jerry and he kind of then go and as soon as he verifies it all of a sudden it's done and yeah. you just yeah and then I think Kendall was so interesting because you could see the psychological damage and like the good and bad of him like the confidence 
you know, the way it could all fall apart when his confidence goes, you know, the danger of how he was on that stage, giving because it was also a shareholder update or whatever it was, like a investor day. And what's yeah. supposedly happening is they've agreed this deal with the Swedes and they're kind of caretaking the business until the deal goes through. So he's sitting there on the phone going, stop making announcements, stop doing things. And really what comes out in this episode is the boys don't want to sell the business. And yeah, it does. And- yeah, and another sort of moment of tension is besides the boys deciding, um, CEO, CE bros deciding that they might not want to sell the business. One of the actions they take as a result of that is trying to make this Living Plus launch much more sort of investor friendly in the hopes of spiking the share price. Because, um, you know, if the share price goes up so much, Matson will either have to withdraw or pay even more money. And you see Kendall basically making up numbers like a thousand X or, you know, twice the revenue and all these things. And he has a confrontation with the CFO again, almost in that Roman way of like trying to show his newfound power. And he's like almost threatens to fire the CFO kind of thing. You can see them both trying to prove their position, trying to prove their like power. But how out of control the whole thing is like how close to it. It showed to me that you had three people and we can get to Shiv in a minute maybe, but for the boys, why neither of them had succeeded their father because it showed how they, if you took some of that hardcore toughness and aggression in Roman, if you took the brilliance of Kendall on stage where he was able to land some messages and you had a more tempered, business-minded person, that combined person might then be a great CEO, but all it's showing is that each of those guys, to me, only had one of the ingredients that's needed and you can't three needed ingredients together from three separate people and not have chaos like you need to find somebody who can actually do this if they're going to succeed properly or you have to have a reset of the type of leader that you're having running your business and having two guys who aren't Logan trying to be parts of Logan is a night it's a disaster it's just devastating to watch to see how how far short they're falling of what's required just to to win yeah so and I thought we again when we've seen this before and it's his like his character, his like central character trait, but we saw the like vulnerability of Kendall and his own uncertainty and his own lack of confidence. And like you said, he kind of, he can swing into confidence and he can, he can control the moment, but he can also, so it's such a fine line for him where he's either hiding in a cupboard or commanding Mm. a room full of people. And how how can you do that when you're running a multi, multi, multi gazillion billion dollar business? Like it's just not, it's not actually... And you can see how out of control everyone in the C-suite's going, oh, my God, what's he going to say? And it's hot and cold. And it was just an, another brilliantly insightful business, um, business episode. It was also set in L.A., so they're normally in New York. But Yeah, it was very – it was um, even the moment that Shiv walks into what I guess is her office at the studios, I was like, oh, I guess she has an office in, in LA. L.A. Like we'd not sort of seen this side of the business yeah, before. Yeah, and so, shot on the, yeah. uh, the Warner lot. I was a couple of scenes. There was a great, beautiful scene of Roman on the back of a golf cart zipping around the lot. And, yeah, it was so TV fans will love all of that. But you're starting to see we've got four episodes left after this. And I just, you know, a few weeks ago we talked about what was going to happen with Shiv and Tom and Greg. There was a couple. Greg's been a bit quiet the last few episodes, but there was. Yeah, Greg has, Greg's not had as much presence yeah. since Logan's. Yes, really, yeah. has he? But the, some of his robot lines this episode were hilarious, I thought. But um, yeah, Shiv and Tom's story, a little bit of honesty. I thought, is Tom really trying to get it back or is he just know he needs to have an alignment with someone? Why was she crying in the conference room? 
Is she pregnant? So many questions. Yeah. I had a question because I can't always read people's intentions, but the a scene that I thought was interesting, but maybe it was meant to say something I didn't quite understand, Tom and Shiv are in the bedroom and Tom talking about money and Tom talking about how he likes nice things and how before he met Shiv, he was always like wanting money and wanting status and stuff. Was that him being vulnerable? Was that him trying to tell her that like part of my attraction to you was your status or that he was beyond that or that it wasn't about the money? I just, like it was a really powerful moment, but I couldn't, I wasn't quite sure what was My take on it was he was actually, it wasn't why he was attracted to Shiv, it was why he deceived her with the dad. So he was kind of saying because money was something he didn't grow up with but he was motivated and wanted and you can judge him for that. He's like, I like my nice suits and I like my watches, but you always cut me out of the money, like with the prenup, with the way it was. He was still left whilst in this shiny world, very vulnerable. His career was kind of controlled by Logan or whether he was in favour or and then she was, it was, was always, he wasn't really able to get a clear run on the career. And at the end of the day, I kind of got the view like with the prenup and everything that he was saying, if you had made me feel secure, you would have had my loyalty. But the fact you never yeah. made me feel secure in this situation made me act that way. And I think him explaining that to her for the first time. And, and then when she got, because she would have obviously never felt that way because she's never had to worry about money. And then when he goes, and that's when he says, leave all your money and run away to meet with me into a campsite or a trailer park or whatever he said, is her going, I know I wouldn't do that. So yeah. now do I understand maybe why he betrayed me? So Either she believes it or not, or she just goes, how sad, but at least I know. It's actually a better answer than because I was trying to hurt you or I preferred your father or I felt you chose to fail. It's him kind of selfishly going, I needed to make sure I was looked after and secure and that was my better bet in that situation. If you treated me better, I would never have done it. So I don't know. Are they going to get back together? She's so going to bring down the boys. Yeah. Do we? Should we talk about them biting each other at a party in front, in front of, of people. everybody i was and i'm sure that like, was a house from selling sunset i was waiting for Chrishell to pop yeah. up with you know <laughs> a buyer or something didn't you think it was one of those big la houses that was so weird and yeah. they had sex is she still pregnant was she in there scheduling her crying or had she taken a call with some bad news yeah i wasn't sure i like i believed her when she said she was scheduling crying that sounds like something she would do but then i also thought is she on a phone call to a doctor or is she i think she was arranging an appointment and then i think she was drinking champagne in another scene and not that you should judge some people choose to drink when they're pregnant but i was like i'm trying to work this out i loved the um the like refueling jets oh that was such a good scene like it was just like like that could have been in White House Plumbers, like meeting on an airfield somewhere to have a conversation, pretending you were refueling. And he's like, "I've come jets. twenty thousand miles, and you can't come four hundred meters or whatever, because he, you know, yeah. he's going to walk onto his plane, and then the way he disses her plane." But there's some stuff going yeah. on between them. He's trying so hard to be cool and sexy and funny. He doesn't know how to play her, but you can tell he wants to connect with her in a, in, yeah. in a, such an awkward way. Like that's an intriguing relationship. It's gonna develop i think my favorite scene though in the whole episode was in the restaurant and i was saying to my husband when we were watching i was like you know all the lots all the studio lots have these restaurants right in the middle of you know you'll be on this huge campus and everyone will come in the golf cart at lunch and have this it's like being in a big fancy proper restaurant but it just happens to be on campus rather than a cafeteria like it's really like a fine dining restaurant where lots of the studio execs and stuff have lunch but that episode, that scene when he meets the head of the studio, the movie studio, and just, you know, the way they're talking about, I'll, I'll back you, but I need to know that this film that's a 
stinking mess, you know, and the way she just kind of misjudges him and she's almost already asking him about what the new boss is going to be like and, you know, and just the mismatch of that, of the power that goes back and forth over that table and the misreading of it, I just thought was masterful. I just couldn't believe what it was showing about them both and then how that then triggers more of Roman to kind of really realise him finding, because that's where I feel like his instincts are right. Like the kind of conversation he was trying to have with her about the films and the status of the yeah. what they wanted to do and how to think about IP and, and investment. It was just such a cold-minded business conversation that was just warped in so many other egos and misunderstandings. And I just thought it was just such a powerful business scene. What did you think? Yeah, there were a few moments that, again, not that I operate in anywhere near the level of the people that are on this show, but there were a few moments that did land with me in my sort of corporate career. And one of them was that lunch scene where you can just see how quickly and instantly decisions get Mm -hmm. made at like a really high level that impact hundreds of thousands of people like that that absolutely happens over lunches every day not in my life but like it does happen and the other thing that landed with me was when Kendall wanted to like build a house and have clouds (laughs) and it was like the day before the presentation and it would like I'm sure CEOs every day are walking into what people have spent months preparing and then going, oh, you know, can we build a house and import like fake clouds from Germany and have it all done by tomorrow? And you're just like, don't say no, everything's possible. Yeah, there was some really big tropes and it was was such a good episode. Love, 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 love. I want to go watch it again. And the last time we saw an episode end with Kendall go for a swim... (laughs) Um, I did. I did think that. I did think that. Yeah. So this episode ends with Kendall frolicking in the LA beach for some reason. He yeah. takes his t-shirt off and throws it on the sand. Where's his phone? Is he coming back? I wouldn't yeah. be surprised because there are, there is that episode when they were in Italy where he sort of um, had had too many lemoncellos. I think was was his excuse and sort of fell into the pool. And I think at the time there was like, oh, has he died? And he hadn't, but that was just speculation. But yeah, I think a lot of people will watch this episode and be like, "We've seen this before." But, but also, um, I'm not suggesting that Kendall has gone. No, but it's a legit um, question because I did. I was. I was like, "It's a th- it's a thematic thing we've seen before." Yeah, and that sense um, of like a person looking out to water everything, every thought ahead of them, you know, face to the wind, back to the gut land. Like it was a really powerful yeah. vision. Yeah, it was great. And then the music and the instrumental end credits that played overwards, like, yeah, I I agree with you. I was like, gosh, please be okay. And he was smiling and he seemed so relieved and then he was floating and there was a freedom in it and an acceptance and a happiness there. But because he was so borderline, almost manic in the earlier parts of the episode, you do always have that fear that... um, he could very quickly slip. You know, he walked off that living plus stage and everyone gave him a round of applause because he kind of basically didn't screw it up too much <laughs> um, or as much as anyone thought he could. So, yeah, I guess we will just have to wait for episode seven to see what happens after he goes for a swim. New episodes of Succession are released Mondays on Binge at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, like we said, four more episodes to go with the finale due May 29th. This week on Skip Intro, we talked about love and death. We discussed the White House plumbers. Ali recommended the new binge original Daily Telegraph documentary, The War, Australia's Bikey Killings. And I reluctantly suggested that you check out MILF Manor. <laughs> All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favorite device. I'm John Bohm, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro. Bye.